Some of the missionaries we support go back to when I was a child here, and they have what I call the old-school missionary concepts. They, they are just uh, very, very committed to their fields, to their ministry, to their communities uh, across the seas, and they do a really good job of, uh, of blessing the people they're with. And so when you listen to, I'm thinking about the Millers who just recently retired and the Hopkins who we had here not too long ago uh, from Mexico, um, I'm thinking about all the missionaries that I just love spending time with. And uh, when they're here, they, they're just a great, great blessing. Um, but sometimes we run into ministry opportunities that uh, they, don't go, they don't date us way back to the beginning of our church. Uh, they're much more recent. And uh, we were blessed to have the Wadiers join us however many years ago that was. And it uh, seems like forever now to you, I'm sure, as, as all the service y'all do. Um, but, uh, like you've never been anywhere but here, but, uh, but we're so glad to have them. And when we connected with them, we were able to connect with, uh, the ministries they supported over the years and they actually, um, helped, uh, begin the ministry over there. And we're a big part of that. And I know y'all know a lot of that backstory and Domily, uh, was in that orphanage and now runs that orphanage. And, uh, I was privileged to meet her several years ago as a very young lady. Um, she just decided she'd run the whole ministry over there and uh, faithfully has done that and it's just a huge uh, blessing to be a part of somebody that has that kind of vision and they're gonna we're gonna see a video first you want to see the video first um, this is a video that uh, she and Ivan and uh, Melissa put together um, it has to do with um, the vision they have for some land they've purchased over there and some of the properties they have and uh, they're trying to expand and uh, I want you to know we, we're just trying to raise money for our floor we've got all these little projects we're you know, faithfully pounding away at here, trying to do stuff. Um, and when I hear visions like this, I think, wow, there's n- this is amazing how um, much faith this young, these young people have to see God do a work in a foreign land where the economy is very different from ours, and they're just trusting God's going to do this. And uh, we're going to be a big part of that. We already are. We support them, and we want to continue to be that. So I'm going to let Mary show the video, and Tyler will be on the video channel. And then Domily's going to come up and share with you. Sunrise Ministries, founded on the Jesus principle of freely giving as was given, has over the years become a home of solace to many vulnerable children in Uganda. Most of them having come from similar backgrounds, the ministry leadership is sold out to giving back as they make these children's lives better. Both my parents passed away from HIV and AIDS. And when they passed away, I was left with only my grandmother, and my grandmother couldn't take care of us. Like most of the children who live with us, I lost my mom and dad at a very tender age. Fortunately, there was an American missionary who came to Uganda and had a children's home. And we were fortunate to be able to, uh, to be admitted, me and my siblings. So as I grew up, I always desired that one day I would give back to the community, I would give back to Uganda, I would give back to God, to all that is done for me. So when Sunrise started, this was the perfect opportunity for me. Providing these children with a wholesome life has become the ministry's greatest dream. But this comes with challenges. Right now at the facility we are in, we are renting, and in one house we have 34 children. That is not normal, but we have to do all that we can do to make sure that we keep going. And so we're packed in there, we have no space for anybody else. We are currently taking care of seven children in the village that are awaiting a bed space. And we have seven uh, babies that are graduating from the baby home 
coming to our home in January. And then again, we don't have space. So there's 14 kids that are currently waiting for a home to live in. However, we can't keep bringing more children. Yet every day we have people at this one knocking on our doors who are leaving children at our doorsteps to bring in. But we can't because right now the facility we have is so small. Even the house we live in, some of the children are sharing beds. And yet we want to provide better services for the children. All hope is not lost though. When uh, Ivan and I were in the States this past year, um, we wanted to thank you for everything that you did for us. Uh, we were able to raise enough funds to be able to purchase a little over 40 acres of land. Uh, on this land, we have many plans for it, especially we want to be self-sustainable and be able to raise our own income. Part of our land is a swamp, and uh, in the swamp we are embarked on uh, planting and growing rice. So as you can see behind me, that's all our rice fields. In the future, we're going to use part of this uh, swamp and we dig uh, fish ponds. So we'll be able to uh, grow fish, which uh, that also can help us to uh, have fish for all our kids. And also we want to be able to purchase cows, have goats, have chicken. We would like to have, we would like to have to grow all kinds of Ugandan food crops and all these will be sold like for example we'll sell some crops and some crops we'll keep for feeding the children. We have a, a sugarcane field so also sugarcane is also uh, one of the things you can grow and sell uh, to the people who make sugar and they give you money. So that, that, all that is a uh, uh, part of our sustainability program. We believe that self-sustainability is will be a huge part in a, taking a step forward in being able to care for all these children. Please consider how you may come in and help us to be able to be more self-sustaining. The dream is unfolding. Um, this year we were able to uh, raise some funds to be able to start building a school on, on our land. Uh, this here is the school building that uh, we have begun with. It is uh, the beginning of many, many uh, uh, blocks like this one. We needed a, a lot of uh, classes, but this is uh, what good has provided now. On this land that we have right now, we have started three homes. We haven't finished them yet. We still need about $40,000 to complete those uh, homes to move our kids into there, into those homes. God has provided some money, and the walls are starting to go up. There's this building here, and there's, there's a, that building next up, and there's one that is just uh, at the foundation stage. For us to be able to complete the three children's home buildings, we need $40,000, which we don't have at the moment, and yet we have children who have nowhere to go. Um, we are moving our children on there, hopefully by February of 2016. But our most important need right now, in order to get those kids on that land, is for us to be able to dig two clean, deep water wells that will provide enough clean water for our children as well as for the people in the community. Um, they will no longer have to drink dirty water with these wells. Um, and then for us to be able to bring electricity out into the property. So between the electricity and the well system, um, that's another $30,000. So we are prayerfully asking you 
to uh, be with us during this process of collecting these funds to be able to um, get our kids on these properties and provide a better lifestyle and a better home for them. For more information, contact Sunrise Ministries at the following address. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm so grateful to be back. Um, this feels like home because whenever I come here, I come here several times to pray and I'm so glad to be able to fellowship with you this morning. Um, first of all, before I go ahead and maybe share uh, what the Lord has laid on my heart today, um, I just want to thank you so much for everything that you do to support us. Um, I feel like we are the people in Jerusalem and you all are always sacrificing very much. Some of you maybe you don't have as much, but still you sacrifice and make sure that you support us monthly. We are so grateful for the mission team here, Pastor Stan, everybody for your offerings because they keep us going to be able to continue uh, doing what we love so much, but also the Lord's calling on our lives there. So we are really, really grateful. Thank you so much. And please continue to keep us in our prayers. Um, we bless the Lord for this church all the time. Um, maybe before I go ahead, I'll just share with you my testimony. I know most of you have heard it before, but some of you are new to me. So I'll share with you my testimony um, of uh, how I came to know the Lord and how I came to have white parents. <laughs> <laughs> I know, everybody says I look like my mom, Marie. <laughs> um, my name is Damali. Um, as I was growing up there in Uganda, I lost both my parents to HIV and AIDS. And then I went to live with my uncle. But my uncle also passed away from the same disease. And um, we were left with our old grandmother. She was obviously too old to take care of, of me and my cousins, all ten of us. So it, it became very difficult for her to be able to pay our school fees, to be able to have the basic needs um, that we needed to be able to survive. So um, fortunately, there was an American missionary, an American man. He was in the Vietnamese war, uh, and he lost his legs in that war and came back to Uganda. That man was Mr. Wayne Walker, or as we would call him, Daddy Wayne Walker. He, he came back to, to America, and he had adopted many kids from all over the world, some from Romania, some from, like, everywhere, like eight of them. But that man, um, I really love and respect uh, your amen, and because of him, because of Mr. Wayne Walker, our daddy. So he, when he came back here, he sold everything that he had, his house, everything here, and moved to Uganda because of the huge need there of so many orphan children. So he opened up uh, the Good Shepherd's Fold Children and Baby Home and continued to serve. It was uh, not a very big house. It was a storied house upstairs and downstairs and just began admitting children as the needs, as the people dropped them off or as they shared with him about the needs there. And he, it was just, at first it was just him and his wife. And it was over a hundred kids, 118 kids. And it was crazy. 
We had a really good time though. Um, we were very much loved. Too many people to play with all the time. And it was, it was a really interesting place. I know that a lot of you have had so many horror stories of bad orphanages. But this was a really good place. And a lot of the people that used to come there to volunteer, they would say, I don't know, but I feel like there are kids coming out of the walls, like everywhere I turn. There's a baby there, there's a child running. There were always kids all the time. Um, so it was, a, like I said, it was a very nice place to grow up in. We had three meals a day. We had our own beds. It was, a, it was really a loving place. But as we continued, as they continued to serve, as you can imagine, being overwhelmed with all those kids, um, they invited another couple from Mobile, Alabama, uh, the Watiers, and they shared with them. I don't know how they took the news, but I, this, I learned this as I grew up that, you know, they told them to, they shared with them and asked them to pray about it. So the Watiers prayed about it and, Ah, they came to Uganda, and um, I think that was also a crazy thing that they did. But sometimes you can be crazy for the Lord, and that is okay. So they also sold everything they had. Um, my dad sold his business, um, and then with his children, the youngest was very young. Josh is now old. <laughs> he was the one playing the piano. So um, they moved to Uganda as well and began to run Good Shepherd's Fold, where I was growing up. I was fortunate to, to join their family and beca- became uh, their daughter, along with a few other Ugandan children. And I was so blessed to be able to get a, a new mom and a dad, someone who, some people that really cared and, uh, for me and were really concerned. It was a huge blessing for me. Uh, so um, I continued to stay with them, but as time went on, they got called um, to go planned for them to go somewhere else um, in, in Mexico. I, at that time, I was almost finishing high school. So when I finished high school, I became a social worker. And then I, still all that time, I kept in touch with them. Then I wrote to them. At that time, my dad and mom, Marie and Mark Watia, they had just come back from the mission field in Mexico. So I told them, by the way, I feel the Lord's calling still but I want to be a missionary and I want to open up a baby home. They were like, okay, we don't have much. We don't have a lot of money, but we'll give you a donation of what we have. They've always been generous and I really am grateful to them. So they gave me a donation and they said, you have to trust that the Lord will do the rest. So they gave me a donation enough to be able to pay the rent for a house, to buy some uh, cribs and mattresses and a few things to be able to start. So I bought, spent all the money and said, okay, Lord, you have to do the rest because I'm, I've done as you have called me to do this and I've spent all the money and I'm trusting you to come through. So I told the policemen, I told the hospitals, I told the pastors, I told people that usually would be concerned, the local councils in our villages, that if a woman dies or if you know any babies that need help, I'm opening up a baby home uh, on this date, so please bring the babies on those dates, those children that really, really need help. And for sure, on the first day that I opened, I got 10 babies. I was like, ah, this is a lot of babies. What am I going to do? 10. I was expecting more like 5. You know, it's just starting. 
more like five or maybe a few six. And there were even others on the waiting list. I said, okay, out of all these ten babies that I've got, which one am I going to send back? Which one is not as sick or not as malnourished? But as I looked at them all, I felt peace to keep all of them because most of them were really needy. Some of them were on the verge of death, just from hunger. Some of them just from severe malnutrition or just simple illnesses like malaria and other diseases. So I admitted them in faith and continued to share on Facebook, share, write emails, and just mostly, mostly we prayed. Because as we were growing up in the orphanages, we always had to pray for whatever we had. Sometimes uh, they would tell us, uh, my mom and dad, uh, when they were going through difficult times or financially, they would be like, okay, children, you all need to pray because we don't have enough money or enough food to get us through the month, so pray. So I grew up knowing that everything is about prayer. Everything is by faith. So we still kept we prayed and the Lord somehow brought along different people that we are able to support. We barely got by or are still barely getting by. Um, so as we continued with this ministry, some of the children I was keeping had nowhere to go. They are already three years old. They need to start school. So I, my brother Ivan that you saw in the video, um, I, I shared with him and I told him, and now some of these children are growing Their relatives can't take them back yet. What can we do? So he said, okay, um, let me pray about it. I'll get back to you. So surely enough, he he was also kind enough to say, okay, I'll open up the children's home because we don't want to separate them, send one sibling to this orphanage, send one sibling to that place so, um, so that we could keep all of them together. So he opened up the Sunrise Children's Home now they have about 34 uh, children, most of them being from four up to nine. The oldest is nine years old. So um, as we continue to do that, we still need a place to go to fellowship, to go to church. So he opened up a Sunrise Community Church, and we began to tell others nearby in our uh, town about Jesus. And some people actually gave their lives to Christ and began joining our church. And then um, as we continue to do that, uh, Daniel, my brother, also opened up a girl's home. And this girl's home was because he was mostly working on the streets of Ginger. And sometimes he would work very late. So he would see some of the very terrible things that were happening to the little girls. Some of these girls are like from seven years old, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, up to almost 13 or even older. But what broke his heart is the way the, the young girls on the streets were being raped. Uh, some of them were being uh, beaten or just very many bad things, as you know. For some of you that have children, if your little girl of seven years old is not yet home, if you're a good parent, you would be concerned. You'd be like, where is she? Why haven't I seen her all day? But unfortunately, there are a lot of brokenness with so much uh, poverty and just different things going on. Some people have given up. So uh, these kids ended up being abused. So he, we began the, the Mirembe Cottage of Street Girls. So between all the three homes, we have about 90 children that we are taking care of. And the main reason why we're taking care of these children is not because 
about feeding them. Anybody can feed children. Anybody can clothe them. But the main reason we are doing this is to be able to tell them about Jesus. The main reason we are doing this is for them to be able to to go out there as they grow up to disciple them to be able to share the gospel. And as we continue, I think you've read the news uh, in your country, in my country, uh, different Islamic groups are spreading their their radical, you know, ideologies very quickly. And what are we as believers doing? Maybe we are not sharing the gospel. We are not working hard enough. We are letting these people get to the lost ones, to the children, before we get to them. So our aim mostly is to be able to evangelize, to be able to to prepare these young people, uh, to be able to go out as they grow up, the same way that was done to us, and we received Christ in our hearts. We want to share this good news and be able to make to help these children to disciple them. That as they go out, as they grow up, the only important thing in life that they can ever have or ever share with anyone is the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can be as rich as you want. You can have everything that you want, and. I really, really, this is one of my favorite verse. What will it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his soul? So however much we give them a very good education and, you know, they can earn a good living, become doctors and teachers in our country. But if they have no Christ, then it's all in vain. So that's why we are trying to teach all our children to be able to know, to know Jesus, to be able to disciple them. And maybe I can ask you a question in your daily life. What are you doing to disciple others for Christ? I'm not saying I'm perfect in that, but every day, daily, do you make it a point to be able to share with others about Jesus? Do you make it a point to disciple others, to show kindness in your daily life? Um, The other day I was flying from Kentucky because my mom (laughs) was tired. She's been driving all over the country. And sometimes when, whenever we are talking to people and she's like sharing how far and long she's driven, some people can be like, oh, I'm just tired listening to you, the journeys you've made. So that there is a, a strong woman. <laughs> I praise the Lord for her and her heart to share with. So I was coming from Kentucky and I saw this lady. She's, she was a black lady. And I was walking with my two babies. I had all this carry-on. I'm so tired. And this woman was crying so much. But in my heart, I felt that maybe I should go and talk to this woman and maybe pray with her or something. But I just couldn't. I felt, I felt shy. Or as people over here, you don't invade each other's spaces. It's your culture. So um, maybe uh, as every day, maybe we feel like that sometimes. When you are walking in the in Walmart or any of your places that you go. For us, I feel like it's a bit more easier. I was talking to my mom the other day. I was like, in Uganda, I feel like it's easier for me to tell others about Jesus because you stop and talk. Everybody lives, we are closely knit. Over here, I think it's a more difficult job that you have, but still you should try and do it. Um, Whenever you meet someone, can you share with them? Can you tell them about Jesus? Can you show them Jesus' kindness? So that's what um, we are trying to do there in Uganda. As people knock on our doors, women who are sick with HIV AIDS, um, they are in their last days. Um, we, we are overwhelmed with needs a lot of the times. 
because people know that we take care of children, almost the whole community comes to us for all these needs. So um, another question I might ask you is, what is your calling? On, what is the calling on, Jesus, on your life? What is the Lord calling you to do for him? My calling is to serve these children. And sometimes I feel like Jonah. Sometimes I want to run away. Sometimes I want to just go and do my own thing. But what is your calling on, 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 on your, what is the calling on, on your life? What is God calling you to do to be able to disciple others, to tell others about Jesus? Or whatever is calling you, are you listening? Do you really take time to listen and know that, you know what? As I pray and listen, I feel that the Lord is calling me. Maybe he's calling you to sell all your things and move to South Sudan or Syria or some of those dangerous places. Maybe he's calling you right here in Mobile to share, to be more, more active and share the gospel. Maybe he's calling you to serve in one way or another. But have we been listening? Or do we just live every day for ourselves and go on? As long as, for me, I've received salvation, it's up to everybody else can perish if they want to. For me, I have salvation and I know I'm assured of eternal life. Um, that's not how we are called to live. Um, maybe as I close, I will share with you uh, this scripture. Because this is how I feel about this church. It is uh, Philippians 1, 3 up to 11. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you. Since I have you in my heart and whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you are all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that, you, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Um, thank you so much for having me. Uh, that's all I had to share with you. And please, please remember to pray for us. We get discouraged over there. We get overwhelmed with a lot of needs. A lot of, some of the babies dying. It's, it's a very difficult, sometimes a very lonely uh, job. So we, please continue to keep us in our prayers. And thank you again for your support. Keep supporting us. And we cannot do this without you as the body of Christ. I was trying to figure out how old you are, Domilee. Will you tell me how old you are? 32. 32. If you're 32 or younger, I want you to stand up. 32 or younger. All right. Well, that's an awesome crowd right there. All right. Listen to me, you 32 and younger people. Listen. Her vision was when she was a teenager. 
a young person, really, to do this. She was your age, and she said, you know what? I'm going to take care of these kids. God's going to help me take care of these kids. She did that with a vision from God and a call on her life, and she faithfully followed it, no matter how complicated it got. And she, I know the backstories on some of that. Okay, there's a whole lot of this will never work, and you're never going to be able to get there. And, you know, how are you going to raise thousands, tens of thousands of dollars over here? How are you going to do that? And yet, you know, one little family helped plant a seed. One little family that we know helped plant a seed that God used and multiplied because of faith in her. Now, I'm saying to every one of y'all standing, I know you guys, okay? You have a calling on your life. Don't come in Jan- Don't come to church in January if you don't want to believe that because I'm going to blast you with it in January. whole series in January is about that. You have a calling on your life, and God wants to put you to work for him, not for yourself, but for him. Amen? Amen. Y'all be seated. Give her another hand. That was a magnificent truth. And, and I'm going to say there's an offering plate up here because I'm, we're supposed to do something with that. Mark's going to help me with that in a second. But I want you to know that, that uh, these uh, um, products over here, if you can purchase and it helps their ministry, um, there's actually an opportunity over here to sponsor some of the children in the home. Uh, Mary and Annette and I sponsor some of those kids, so one of those kids. So we, we've adopted a child over there, and you can do the same thing. It's not very expensive, and it just is a blessing to the ministry that we actually believe in and know, and a number of us have been there. So I see all those pictures, and I go, man, I was in that room right there. I remember that. So it's awesome, and I'd love to go back sometime soon. Maybe we can all just get a heart to go there and all go over there and bless them and help build those buildings. So I kept thinking, surely I can, I can throw bricks at people. I can do that. That's easy. Right? It's just a long, it's a very long plane ride, but, uh, but it's a good opportunity to serve. And you ask the Lord, just what she said, you ask the Lord, you know, how can you be a part of that and how can you minister? Amen? Amen. All right, the uh, praise team is going to come back up. We're going to sing Mighty to Save one more time because that song is all about what we're talking about. Everybody needs compassion. Everybody needs compassion. Everybody needs a Savior, and we want the, we want the Savior um, to come to these peop- these children. That's one of my favorite things about um, this this particular orphanage. Their goal is to help create grown-up believers, mature believers, who will disciple other believers, who will have a calling and a purpose in their life as they go. Amen? Amen? So uh, we're going to sing that, and then we're going to make some announcements. And I guess, Mark, do you want to make that announcement now? Okay. <laughs> 